Jürgen Mathesius is one of the thought leaders in North America. He pastors a great church in uh, San Diego, California, but he speaks across the country, around the world. He's a pastor, he's a thought leader, he's an author, and uh, I believe he's one of the great young leaders. I say young, Chris, because everybody's young to me anymore. <laughs> but the fact is, is that he's just got, he's a surfer, he's, he's uh, vibrant, active, he's got young children, uh, older children, once some are married, some are still in, in uh, you know, high school and yeah. stuff. And uh, but Jurgen and his wife Leanne Mathesius, a pastor, one of the most vibrant churches I've ever been to in my entire life. Yes, Awaken, and it's where I'm from, San yeah, it's Diego. From San Diego, there you go, the best place. Yeah, his and his ministry to men. I, I don't know oh. of, of any that are quite as uh, as robust as what they do there. It's, it's, in fact, their ministry to men is called. I would call it a full contact. Ministry yes, men. <laughs> literally. Yeah. I've seen some of the uh, commercials that, yeah. you know, to, of the invitation to go to some of their events. And yeah. I'm just like, whoa, yeah, that's like going to football practice. Well, their men's conference <laughs> that they haven't been able to do during COVID yeah. is uh, they've actually purchased a, an entire ranch. Wow. You know, a couple hundred acres in East County, San Diego, just for ministry to men. Wow. That's how committed he is. And so Jurgen's a great friend and his wife, Leanne. They moved here from Australia in 2005, had a, had a commissioning service in 2004, a word from the Lord, and a word from their pastor, my pastor, Phil Pringle, uh, go to San Diego and build a church. And now almost 10,000 people come to that church, uh, you know, every week. Uh, they've got more than that are, that are online. Yes. Uh, but he's a thought leader. He, he thinks about things. Leanne is one of the most amazing uh, young women speakers in the yes. world today. And I say women speakers, not just two women. No. But a woman who speaks with great authority. I, I, I can't tell you how many notes I've taken in meetings I've been with them where she gets up and has a word from the Lord. Man, it is. It's stout. It's fire. Yeah, <laughs> That's what it exactly. is. Simply. It's fire. Let's keep it simple. Fire. Yeah, yeah. it is fire. No. And I love, you know, them together. That They're the definition of a power couple. Yeah, you know, that's true. It's amazing yeah. just seeing, mm -hmm. you know, what they're stewarding. Um, and, you know, one of the things that I love about Jurgen specifically is I'll never forget when I first met him at Lion's Roar. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the sweetest guys, but yeah. you can also just see, you know, it, you meet some guys and it's just like, oh, okay. Yeah. But then you meet other guys and you're just like, wow, the presence of God is in their life. He is you know? anointed. She's anointed. Yes. And they've, they've raised up. Uh, well, they got a multiple campus church. I yes. think five or six campuses now. And and uh, he raises up leaders. Yes. That's all there is to it. He raises up leaders and he doesn't do it in some sort. You know, here's the deal. He's, it's that that mix of um, a mix of uh, strong and bold with generous and gracious. Yeah. And caring. And caring. Yeah. You know, because like uh, yeah. he, he, you talk to some people mm -hmm. and it's just like, OK, nice to meet you. Oh, and yeah. you're gone because you're the yeah, I'm, you're helping them to get to the exactly. stage or whatever. You're doing your job. You, they treat you like that. And then there's others that take their time. Yeah. And yeah. say, hey, how are yeah. you doing? How are you doing? What, tell me about yeah. your story. You know, and that was, you know, what he did. And then he got on stage and yeah. then he blew me away when he spoke on. And you can go to AchieveLab.org to hear this message. It was phenomenal. Give me a man. Give me a man. And the biggest thing that I think everybody will remember from that time when he spoke <laughs> on this, this message was when he started to literally tell you the whole Lion King 
story. Oh yeah, the guy, the guy, the guy's a freak. <laughs> Phenomenal. You know, the it's crazy. <laughs> How you do know, you do those voices? He remembers movies and voices, and then he goes, "Give me man." <laughs> yes. it's, it's fantastic. But we caught him in an unguarded moment. In, yeah. in a sense, uh, he's he, in fact uh, he he and I talked on the day of their anniversary, and uh, he was in the backyard. And I just began to ask him questions. And this is really, this is a remarkable interview because for all of us, if we're going to grow, we learn from the Word of God, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, books we read, but also people we meet. Yes. So for those of us listening to Brave Men right now, you're about to have your heart enlarged, your spirit increased, just by being around a man who lives a very large life. He, he's full of grace, graciousness, but he's also full of grit, power, tenacity, yes. and strength. So I'm excited today to have um, my really close friend, Jürgen Mathesius, today on Brave Men. It's Brave Men with Paul Lewis Cole. Wisdom and courage for the journey. Talking with Jurgen Mathesius, who is the lead pastor and founding pastor of uh, Awaken Church in San Diego. We've known each other for years, but you know, I've been watching you, I guess, from afar, and then we met each other. But man, you guys, you guys came to uh, the United States in 2005. Is that right? Yes, sir. 2005. You and your wife, four little kids, like on an adventure. Yeah. But you, you were very successful in Australia. You dropped everything. You come to the U.S. and you launch in August of 2005, Awaken yeah. San Diego. Yeah. So what in the world caused you to do something like that? And why San Diego of all places? Aren't there other places that like have a Bible <laughs> buckle or something? Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, my gosh. Well, you know, the truth is we, we were happy to stay as youth pastors for um, Phil and Chris Springer. We, we love them. And uh, the beautiful thing about being a youth pastor is you never have to grow up. It's the Peter Pan of ministry. <laughs> so I was just like, man, bury me here. We love Oxford Falls. And then um, Pastor Phil called us into his office and said, listen, I just think your next chapter is a, a church plan. Like, oh, oh man, we, we kind of felt it, but didn't want to acknowledge it. So he said, I want you to pray about it. So we met, you know, about two weeks later, we came back and back into his office. And we said, yeah, you know what? You're right. We feel it in God. We really, we would, would really like to go to the Gold Coast in Australia. And Pastor Bill goes, nah, nah, nah. I, I want you to pray about San Diego. And I'm like, really? San Diego? That, that, that's not even in Australia. He goes, nah, it's in America. <laughs> so I'd never been to San Diego, seen San Diego. But so we just started praying. And over the next six weeks, literally from the most random sources, we were just getting like these confirmations that we were meant to go to San Diego. Like it was so undeniable. And I think God has to speak. Like that to me because I'm, you know, maybe not the sharpest knife in the drawer. So he's got to make it so emphatic. So we knew that. And so back then we only had three little boys. Zoe hadn't been born yet. And uh, so we just sold everything and put them on a plane with one-way tickets and flew to San Diego and landed here on the 4th of July. I saw all the fireworks. My birthday's the 3rd of July. And when, when we're coming into San Diego on the 4th of July, I'm like, wow, babe, they've gone. They've gone all out for us. Look at this welcome. Yeah, look at this welcome. So in other words, you're still living kind of the youth pastor maturity at this point. Yeah. yeah. And uh, <laughs> it, became, it became reality very quick when there was no one at the airport. You know, when you're itinerant, you know, you land at an airport and there's somebody there to, to, hey, welcome to the city. Can I carry a bag? You know, take you to the car. 
when we got there and there was nobody there, like, you know, we're just getting our bags and then we had to get a shuttle to the, um, the car, the, you know, the car lease place, yeah. Alamo car rentals. And what was interesting was I couldn't, I didn't tell Leanne that our lease had fallen through. So I'd leased a home in Rancho Bernardo oh. and, uh, uh, cause I had to give my laptop back to the church when I resigned, you know, when on my last day, which was four days before we flew out. So I give them my laptop back. Whoa, 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 wait, then, wait a minute. Hang on. I'll just stop right there if you don't mind. So, so they're sending you, but they wanted to keep their laptop. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> so it was it was church. It was church property, not personal property. So I had to, <laughs> I had to get my laptop back. So yeah. I didn't have any internet. Uh, and so we went and stayed with Leanne's folks, you know, so that she could, you know, do the goodbyes and all of her sisters. She's got. She's one of five girls, and so wow. we thought we'd stay there. But they they uh they have no they had no internet back then. They were so behind the times. So I didn't get to check my email till we get to the airport. So we get to the airport and I go into one of those little kind of internet cafes and uh and I click on there and I've got all this all this mail in my inbox and I thought oh, that's interesting so I click on it and it's from the the guy and I just wired about seven days earlier I'd wired the deposit for our four-bedroom home in Rancho Bernardo and the first one said hey listen I just had someone wanting to lease our place for two years you've only asked for one year oh, um are you interested in two years and then the next email underneath it said hey listen I haven't heard back if I don't hear back, I'm going to go with this guy. Let me know if you can match him two years. And then the third email said, I've refunded. Refund. And so I'll check our bank account. And I'm like, no wonder there's more money in there. So I thought, how do I tell Leanne? I thought, I've got to tell Leanne before we get on the plane. Well, I look and she's crying because she's hugging her mom oh, no. and hugging her sisters. And I thought, well, I don't want to tell her now. She's already upset. I'll wait till we sit on the plane for. Once we're on the plane and she's seated, then I'll tell her we get on the plane. And you know how in the back of the, the seat in front of you, you got those little screens where she yeah. puts her headphones on, she's crying, but she clicks on a movie. And I'm thinking, well, you know, oh, I'll wait till the movie's finished. Wait till the, well, movie. the movie finishes and now she's eating. And I'm thinking, well, I'll wait till she's finished the meal. Well, I look back over and now she's asleep. I thought, well, I don't want to, I don't want to wake don't her while she's up. sleeping. So I thought, you know, as soon as she wakes up, I'll tell her, well, she wakes up as we're landing. And uh, anyway, so then it's a mad dash. We get the bags. We get to Alamo Car Rental. We get in the car. And Leanne says, oh, so this, this property, what's it like? And I said, well, funny you should ask. It fell through. <laughs> she goes, where, where are we going to stay? I'm like, oh, my gosh. So we found, we found, uh, we went to a, a, we just drove on the freeway. I had no idea where I was going. And we saw a residence, Marriott. Uh, residence in yeah, Marriott. Uh, so we just pulled in there and I, and I said, oh, do you have any room? By now it's, uh, it's close to midnight. Oh no. And the manager said, well, how long do you want to stay for? How many nights? I said, oh, six weeks. You know, I was just trying to think. And he goes, six weeks, it's July. He goes, I can give you two nights. I said, I'll take it. And uh, so we started <laughs> that's there. That's the way and, it started. Yeah. Oh my. And so now did you, uh, so that's July. Now you launched the, is that, did you launch a year later or a month later? No, no. We launched six weeks later. You launched because, six Okay. Yeah. So in other words, you broke we, every church planting rule there is. Yeah, we, we you know. Um, Except the anointing. You know, there was, there yeah, was well, Tim, Timmy Lowe. You know Timmy Lowe from C3 sure, in the city? Of course, yeah. Timmy, Timmy um, refinanced uh, our property in Australia, and he goes, mate, what you need is a lazy hundred. And I'm like, I need a what? A lazy hundred. I'm like. I've never even heard of that. What on earth is that? He goes, you know, just a lazy 100K sitting there for whatever. 
So he did that refinance. And so we realized we had a hundred thousand dollars and that, that we needed to be the, the first investors and the biggest investors, you know, cause if we don't believe in our church, we, you right. know, we're not going to convince anybody else. So I, I didn't want to do the whole, let's take six months or a year and build, you know, do all of that kind of stuff. Um, I just knew that we needed to start because I had a wife, I had kids, you know, uh, we we're now renting a place uh, by that time. And, uh, and so we, we just felt the start. So we did one preview service on the 3rd of August. I think we had like 45 people turn up. Wow. And then we started on the 21st of August. And uh, we had uh, 67 people turn up. And th th there was meant to be a mail-out go out, you know, to 5,000 homes. And they, they messed that up. So they didn't go out till the following week. And, um, and because it didn't go out to the following week, they said, listen, you know, because it was our fault, we'll yeah. double it. We'll increase it at no extra cost wow. to 10,000 homes. Wow. So the following week we had 99 people turn up. But when I get a phone call from the, uh, from my music guy, Andy Bennett, and he's like, Oh dude, pastor, you're not going to believe this, but, um, the hotel has made a double booking. There's no room for us there. And I'm like, there's gotta be room. I booked it from now to the end of the year. What they didn't realize was August was a five, five Sunday five month. Sundays. And so, yeah. So anyway, so long story short, we ended up, that was our famous parking lot service where we had service out in the parking lot in a hundred degree heat. Yeah. And now you're doing it again. Yeah. Now we're doing yeah. it again. <laughs> COVID. Yeah, man, what a start, but you know, God's really blessed you there. Obviously mm. you and Leanne have worked extremely hard. You've built a, a large church. You've done it. And I want to talk about some of these things. You've done it with the anointing, with the power of God, You've done it without backing off. I, I can remember you a number of years ago standing in the pulpit and saying, they told me that I should be a little bit chilled out in San Diego. And then you started like running and yelling across the stage. You know? Yeah. And then uh, you said, you know, kind of chill on the gifts of the Holy Spirit and stuff. And then you begin to speak in tongues and then you started chilling this. And then uh, Jeff Forbes described to me recently, who's your men's director, how he came to Christ. He comes, shows up to church as an angry young uh, black American man, and he just, you know, uh, I don't even know why I'm here. I'm angry at everything. God, if you're really real. So it's like, hey, if you want prayer, come up here. He goes, uh, what the heck? Goes up, and he gets prayed for and gets knocked out in the spirit. Just bam, on the floor. Yeah. And you said, he said he could hear this. He said it was kind of like, he said it was so surreal. He said, but he could hear you say, leave him there. And he's on the floor the entire service. He gets up and goes, I guess this stuff's real. Wow. An amazing story. So amazing. that's what you've done. That's how you've done it. But I want yeah. to move into something and then come back around. <laughs> uh, you, you waited a number of years, though. This is a fascinating thing. I remember you and I talking about it. You waited a number of years before beginning a really robust ministry to men. Yeah. We're being discipled. Yeah. Uh, intensive camps, you know, prayer yeah. and kind of stuff. Yeah. What was the thought behind it? And what's your, what's your thinking on that? Where are you at? Well, my, my wife felt to start a women's ministry straight away. So she did like within uh, the year hadn't even finished. I think we started in August and October, she had her first women's conference and, uh, and say so everyone, there was, there was pressure on me. Hey, what are you doing for the men? You got to do something for the men. You got to do something for the men. But pretty much everything I'd seen for, for men wasn't working for me. So basically up until then, you know, and obviously I hadn't been to, to one of your meetings um, and I, I loved your dad stuff. 
So mm. I had, you know, maximized manhood, money, sex, and money. I had, you know, everything that Dr. Ed Cole, when he came to Australia, filled stadiums, you know, impact. But all of our churches, whenever they would run stuff, it was, let's just get a whole bunch of men into a building and then beat up on them. Hey, you know, do you like boobs? You know, you're, an, you're a bad man. Do you like fights? You're a bad man. Yeah. Do you like muscle cars? You're a bad man. Do you like, you know, yeah. com competition? You're a bad man. And so, so literally by the end of it, we've, we've de emasculated yeah. men. And I thought, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. And so it was maybe three years later that we started our first one. Wow. And it actually, we stumbled into it. Um, a, a good friend of yours, um, you know, Pastor Jim Crumbly, who was at Atlanta, who was a, you know, a Marine Corps sergeant, did a, did a training, a, a team's training with a whole bunch of the C3 pastors back then. And it was like we had to, and he was yelling at us. And it, when we failed, we had to drop and give 20. Right. And then, you know, someone was talking while he was talking. So we had to pick up this log and, you know, we all had to run with it. And we had to, uh, you know, then lay back and do sit-ups with it. And I'm thinking, this guy's a dictator. And, and it was just, it was the most incredible thing. And at the end of it, like the next day, I couldn't walk for like two or three days. But then the, the next day, I thought, that's the blueprint. That's the blueprint. That's what's missing. It's men want to, you know, you're talking where I'm talking, drop and give me 20, right? Your whole platoon, your whole team, yeah. breaking people up into teams, solving problems, you know, tug of war, strength. And so that's when we decided, hey, let's take this thing and let's celebrate how God made man. God made man to fight. God made man to conquer. God made man to take territory. God made man to be competitive. So how can we, and so that became the genesis of it. So really I should be thanking, uh, you know, Jim Crumbly. Yeah, it's a. I, I've seen it firsthand. It's an amazing thing, and and uh, now you've actually you've actually bought a ranch. I mean, this just yeah. doesn't happen. You bought a ranch in East County, San Diego, in California, in the COVID season. Yeah, you've purchased a hundred and sixty acre ranch with the purpose of training men. Yeah, and and right now we're looking at buying this two hundred and forty acres next door. If we buy that, um, everything else is surrounded by national park which means that the, the, there'll be no restrictions to what we can and can't do. Because right now, because we have neighbors, we have to, to run everything through uh, city approval yeah, because, yeah. you know, of noise restrictions and everything else. Whereas if we buy that, so they're, they're, right now we're in negotiations on that. But basically the goal was, Paul, and you saw it the last time you were there, like uh, there was no facilities left in San Diego that were big enough, not, not because we're so good, but just because of the need. Like, you know, we're probably not the best at marketing, but people were just bringing their friends and bring, uh, you know, it was almost like 30 or 40% of the men who were attending on night one were not even church. We're not even right. saved. Now we had a guy who literally just, just got out of jail on the Tuesday and came on the Thursday and just got, you know, his bell rung and now is married the, the, the uh, mother of his kids and, you know, is living for God and on fire for God. So we found that there was just a need. And so we, we didn't want to be limited by the campsites or the facilities around. And so we just cried out to God. And I think you were there. And I think you, you and beautiful Judy sewed into it. But we said, let's take an offering. How many people believe in this? And so we bought, a, um, you know, 160 acres and we got it for, you know, a screaming deal. And yeah, and God is just Fantastic. so good. But, so to, tell me, you know, help us, you know, when you talk about a healthy man, 
mm-hmm. when you talk about a healthy biblically biblical masculinity, when you talk about a healthy man, uh, Pastor Jurgen, I'm talking to Jurgen Mathesius, Pastor Jurgen, mm-hmm. pastor of Awakened Church in San Diego, who's got one of the most remarkable ministries to men that I've ever seen or witnessed, and a church that's growing even in difficult seasons, uh, having just started literally from your bootstraps and from a hotel room in uh, yeah. 2005. I mean, you were in a hotel room and the church was in a hotel room. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> what's, what's your concept of a healthy man? What's that look like and how do we form that in men? Yeah, I, th- I think the first, the first thing that I really felt God say is, is don't punish men for being men, but give them permission for being men. So God wired us wow. as men to like boobs. But then he requires us to only commit ourselves to one pair, and that's our wife. So the Bible says, always be enraptured with the breasts of your wife. So God made us, wired us to fight. So, right. so we like fights. We like watching fights. But the Bible says that we ought to fight the good fight of faith. You know, God wired us to be competitive. But I'm not competitive, competing against my brother. I'm competing against a devil. I'm competing against forces. And I'm coming alongside my, my brother. God, God created brotherhood. You know, the first murder in the Bible was Cain murders Abel. And God says to him, where's your brother? And he says, what? Am I my brother's keeper? Yeah. So that's the confession of a murderer. That's the, that's the paradigm of a murderer. Because the truth is, if you love, then yes, you are your brother's keeper. And so building camaraderie, men, men need each other. Men like uh, you know, team sports and getting in there. But at the same time, men like to excel and men like to pioneer. And so, so for me, it's, it's, it's celebrating what God, how God wired men, but then attaching to that. And I think you do this so well, Paul is attaching to that a biblical pattern, a biblical vision and a biblical purpose. Uh, you know, and so that's what we want to do. We want to, we want to create men. You don't have to become feminine to be pleasing to God. You can be masculine, but in your masculinity, this is how you channel it. This is how you direct it to bring glory to God. Yeah. And the beauty of that, you're talking identity, purpose, and brotherhood, the three basic elements that every man uh, wants, you know, the previous generation was success, respect, and, uh, you know, having those, having the aspects of that. And so we're in a generation in a world, identity, purpose, and brotherhood. And most men don't have an identity. Uh, Warren Farrell in his great book, The Boy Crisis, said that the greatest single issue in uh, the culture of boys in America today is they don't have a purpose. Number one issue. And then you provide brotherhood. Now, now let me just say something right though. Because you're talking about competition and this kind of stuff, and sometimes guys go, "Oh, okay. Well, then it's just all you know. We're gonna, you know, chew tobacco and spit and cut, you know, cut our clothing out of bark or something." And but you're also an artist, so and you've done these beautiful. Uh, you do them on an iPad or something. You do these beautiful yeah, yeah. wave paintings. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah, sick on. And, uh, and you print them and you have prints and all that. Uh, so you're an artist, you, you love beauty. Uh, so we're not talking about a guy has to be some sort of, uh, macho thing over here, whatever that. Yeah. I'm talking to fully orbed of who you are as a man. If you're a writer, yeah. then write. If you got designed yeah. to be a script writer, yeah. write yeah. the greatest movies that have ever been done. Yeah. You know, to me, uh, what I love about what you do, Jurgen, is uh, it's Acts two seventeen. I will pour out my spirit in the last days, because I believe the last we may be in the last days, but they may yeah. last a thousand years. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't yeah, yeah. So, easy. Yeah, 
but the the sign of the last days is the pouring out of his spirit yes it's not all the other yes. crazy wild prophecies yeah. yeah yeah about the earth shaking and the cracks opening and people falling yeah. in it now, i don't yeah, know yeah yeah and yeah. you know uh all this stuff it's it's literally it says acts 217 says i will gush pour out my spirit on all flesh and young men will prophesy young men will have visions old men will dream everybody will prophesy speak the word of god so really that's what i see you you know, that's why I see it going. Obviously, you have you must in order to do all this, you must have had a pretty amazing start, right? I mean, like yeah. growing up in this really healthy neighborhood, <laughs> you know, perfect family. I know it's a mean question. It's a great question. Yeah, you know what? I had an unbelievable encounter with Jesus Christ, and sometimes I think you know, like for an arrow to fly forward. It's got to be pulled backwards, and the further back it's pulled, the you know the greater it flies forward. And I think because I grew up in a home, my father was an East German atheist who escaped from the East, um, you know, by running across a minefield to get into the West, and uh, but come from a very abusive, broken home. And then because he had never had Christ, he lived with bitterness, rage, anger, animosity, and unforgiveness towards his father. And so unfortunately, whatever you don't forgive, whatever sins you don't forgive, you retain. And so, you know, he, and you can only reproduce after your own kind. So he reproduced the exact same thing. And I was on the same path because, you know, he was an alcoholic and he would beat up my mom and beat up us kids. And so my goal was when I turn 18, that's the time where I feel like I'll have grown. Because I tried to, I tried to defend my mom one time when she was being beaten when I was 15 and my dad overpowered me and, uh, you know, beat me to the ground and then tried to smash a chair over my head. Um, and so I felt like I'm going to wait till I'm 18. And so, you know, I started doing boxing and everything. And so I knew that I could clean his clock at 18. And instead, uh, I get invited to a Christian surfers thing. And, uh, and I hear the gospel for the first time and I get radically saved. I mean, radically born again. And so I think that because I had no Christ, no God, no church, no faith growing up, this encounter with Christ so shifted everything in my world that, that I couldn't deny what I just experienced. And every word that I heard from God began to bring healing uh, on the inside. I mean, so, so I know the power of the gospel. I know the power of Jesus Christ. And, and so that's really the, the foundation, I think, for everything we do. is So that's why when you were saying before, when, they, when you come to San Diego, they said, hey, don't move in the gifts of the spirit. Don't be a, you know, a power of God church. Don't, you know, uh, talk about money and don't put women in the pulpit. And it was brilliant because honestly, if I was honest with you, Paul, I'm like, oh, shoot. I mean, I don't even know what to preach. What, what, you know, what, do I start a series? What's my first sermon? And then it's like they helped me. They said, okay, don't do these things. I thought, brilliant. There's my first three series. <laughs> That's what I'm going to so do. That's what we're going to do. Because I thought God didn't bring us all the way to San Diego to give them what they've already got. Why would he do that? Hey, this is Chris. Let me take a moment right in the middle of this great conversation to remind you how to get in touch with Paul and Christian Men's Network and the Global Fatherhood Initiative. You can find all the resources for mentoring and fatherhood at cnmen.men. That's the Christian Men's Network at cnmen.men. Christian Men's Network does special events across America and around the world. You can find all the information at cmn.men. 
click on events. We also have tremendous resources for churches with special discounts for groups on that website. Everything a church needs from A to Z to mentor and disciple men of all ages and backgrounds. Also, please take the time to check out majoringinmen.com, which is the solution to men's discipleship because of our generous partners. What would normally cost $100 is now free. That's majoringinmen.com. Now, let's get back to this powerful interview between Paul and Jurgen Mathesius. Hey, let me let me ask you this though. You know, so there's a lot of our guys listening and a lot of men that we talk to that you counsel and we all counsel who really are dealing with those father wounds. Yeah. You had an encounter with Christ, but was there a moment where you had to actually forgive your dad and, and did yeah. that ever heal up? What happened with that? Yeah. So I was in, in Bible school and, uh, and I was starting to get opportunities to preach in the chapel at Bible college. And, you know, they, they had us on a roster. And then someone said, hey, will you share at my Bible study? And then someone said, hey, will you speak at my youth camp? And so I did that. And I thought, man, I could really go for this. I could really like this. And then all of a sudden I had two speaking invitations that canceled, canceled just out of the blue. And then I'm praying, I'm saying, God, you know, what's going on? And he said, listen, I canceled them because you need to forgive your dad. I'm like, I ain't forgiving my dad. Number one, he's not asking. Number two, he's not deserving. Wow. And God said, I forgave you when you didn't ask. And I gave, forgave you while you were still in your sins. And God showed me then that, that I was, because of my bitterness towards my dad, I was like a spring that was polluted. And that what would come out of me would have this bitter bent and that, that what I would put into people, you know, cause you can't give them what you don't have. So what I would put into them is the same bitterness, the same unforgiveness. He said, you got to forgive your dad. So I wrestled with it. And finally I said, all right, I'll forgive him. And God says, not too late. Three months ago was forgiveness. I'm going to one up it. You got to tell him that you love him. Now we grew up in a home where obviously he'd never heard those words. But me and my little brother, we'd never heard those words. We never heard the words, I love you or I'm, or I'm proud of you. I remember one time when I was playing soccer, I love soccer. Um, we we're playing Oak Flats, which was the, the best uh, team in, in the league. And we beat them 4-3 and I scored three of the goals. And at the end of the, the game, they, uh, the coach lifted me on, on the shoulders. It was amazing. I remember my dad was in the crowd. And so, you know, after all the celebrations, my, me and my dad are walking back to the car and he's completely silent. And then we get to the car and I open the door and I sit in the car and he starts the engine, drives out of the, the parking lot and he's completely silent. We're on the road heading home and he's completely silent. I'm like, how could he be silent? So I said, Dad, what did you think of the game? And he just said, when you run, you look like an old woman. That, that, was, that, was, all he, that was all he could say. So we never heard, I love you. We never heard, I, nothing we ever did was ever good enough. And so now God said to me, I don't want you just to forgive him. I want you to tell him that you love him. Wow. And so I made a commitment because I was dating Leanne. I said, all right, I'll do it on my wedding day. And so on my wedding day, uh, you know, I left my mum and dad intentionally to last. And I went up and he put out his hand to shake my hand all kind of stoic. And I pushed his hand away and I gave him a hug. And I said, dad, I want you to know that I love you. And he's like trying to push me away going, you're okay, you're okay. And I just held him. And I said a second time, Dad, I want you to know I love you. And he's like, no, no, you're okay, you're okay, you're okay. And then I said it a third time, Dad, I love you. And then he just, he just almost like collapsed into me. Oh. Well, we go away for our honeymoon. We come back two weeks later. And we were in New Zealand at that time with Pastor John Morgan. And this, we had our wedding and our uh, honeymoon in Australia. And so the next day after 
our honeymoon, we're flying back to New Zealand. And, and mum said to me, oh, listen, your father, he's up in the German club, you know, drinking beer with all his friends. Why don't you go up there and say goodbye to him because he won't see you because you've got to leave early in the morning to go to the airport. So Leanne and I drive up there. And anyway, we get to the, the German club and some of his friends, are at, you know, meet us kind of at, at the door and they, they go, hey, what's happened to your father? And I'm thinking, what, he's had an accident? You know, like he's collapsed, he's drunk, he's had a heart attack. Well, what do you mean what's happened? They're like, yeah, ever since you're vetting, he's become a softy. What's gone, something's gone wrong with him. They, they could see a difference. We, when, when, when we started having our sons like Jordan and Ash, my dad would hold them and cuddle them, kiss them, tell them that, that how beautiful they were, how much he loved them, everything shifted. So, so I began to realize that somebody's got to break the cycle. Somebody's yeah. got to be the chain breaker, the generation yeah. curse breaker. And so, and then a few years ago, and you, you, in fact, you were the catalyst. We, we built a home and I brought you when they were about halfway through. I think they just put the, the second floor on and you stood on there and you gave me a word and it was so profound, Paul. You said, when, you, when, you, when this house is finished, you need to get your dad to bless this house. And I, and I thought, oh, you know, Paul, God bless you. You're so busy. You travel around everywhere. You've got me confused. You think my dad's saved. And so I had to remind you, Paul, uh, sorry, mate. Yeah, my dad's not saved. And you're like, yeah, it doesn't matter. He's still the father, he's still the patriarch. And there's a power on the father's blessing. And it so riveted me that the following year, I sent uh, an email to my dad saying, I'm flying you and Josie, his partner. When my mum died, he hooked up with this French bird. We're flying you out for Thanksgiving and I want you to uh, speak a blessing over the home. And, uh, and God said, I really want you to honor him. So I was online looking for, you know, the cheapest possible flights and God said, no, honor him first class. And so I thought I'll get him a first class ticket. You know, he can look after Josie and he says, no, no, honor him, him and Joe. So the whole thing ended up. And then when he landed, God said, he's not to pay for anything while he's here. You're to take care of it. Wow. And so it ended up being about a, a $16,000 venture over, you know, over the eight days, including the airfares and everything else. But it was so powerful. And when I said, dad, uh, you know, and look, I'd love to tell you that it was a beautiful benediction and blessing. It was filled with the F bomb and the S word. And, uh, but you know, that, that's the language. That's the Australian that he learned moving mm -hmm. from Germany to Australia. That was the English he learned. That's the street language. But it was, it was, it was, he, he was so nervous, but mm. took it so seriously. And then uh, I got him a limo ride back to the, to the airport. And when he saw the limo pull up, he just began to weep. And, uh, and then he said to me, he says, you know, how long do I have before we have to leave? I said, oh, dad, you've got about, you know, 20 minutes. And he said to me, do you know the song Hallelujah? And I'm like, dad, I know a lot of songs, Hallelujah. <laughs> You're an atheist. Why don't you tell me which hallelujah song you know? He goes, you know, it's a one by Leonard Cohen. I said, oh, dad, I've got it on my playlist. In fact, I've got it on my, um, my YouTube channel, you know, uh, on my YouTube. Let's go out and we'll put it on YouTube. So we go out there and we start, and we start playing it. He's crying. Josie's crying. And he's singing with the top of his voice, hallelujah, hallelujah. Mm -hmm. Now I'm bawling. You could feel the presence of God. He now sends us cards and letters with scriptures in there completely misquoted and he'll drop the f-bomb halfway through but it's it's just but we can see the transition so uh mm -hmm. i'm in in another project right now of honoring my dad but i'm believing that on this one 
he's going to finally come to Christ. But, but it was all started with, with your words of honor your father. Yeah. Well, that's the, that's uh, the fifth promise of the commandments, fifth, five, 10 commandments. And it's the one with yeah. the promise, first one with the promise. So, you know, that is, this is remarkable stuff, but you know, I, I think, you know, we can talk about a lot of things in one sense with you, Jurgen, because you're a master communicator. You've been on some of the largest stages of the world. Uh, you know, you've got this church with uh, thousands and thousands of people every week and all these different things we point to. But I think for me, what, what underwrites all of this is the care for one person at a time. You didn't start the men's thing until you knew, you know what, we can actually take care of guys. You honored your dad. In other words, you've done the stuff that people don't see in order to stand where people see you. Most men want to stand in a place of position without first having humbled themselves before God. And they work on their talent rather than their character. And that's one wow. thing I've seen about you and Leanne, and I've told you this privately, I'll say it publicly, that you guys actually together have built each other's character yeah. so deeply that it... Um, it's Romans 15, 13, the Passion Translation. It says, may you, be, may you overflow with hope, with abundance, so that it's absolutely like a transparent glow. It says, may you glow. Wow. And I think that's on you. Not that you guys don't have <laughs> occasional dust up, you know. Uh, yeah, by occasional, you mean at least a few times a week, right? Yeah, uh, yeah I was, you know, whatever. You guys measure what, what occasional is. But, but really, if we want to get down to it, and we could talk about all these different things, and you've yeah. won awards, or you guys have done music and the, all this stuff. But, me, bro, that's the real stuff right there. And yeah. that's what I wanted guys to pick up is yeah. that, that is, those are not easy conversations. And we could talk about marriage sometime else, but that healing of the father wound. Yeah. Talking to Warren Farrell the other day, he said uh, 100% of all the mass shooters in America, school shooters, have been uh, dad deprived. Yes, he said 90, 90% of all the ISIS recruits are dad-deprived, and they look for wow. them. Uh, and wow. Those are dad-deprived kids. You, you, and they can say, well, he had a dad in the home. No, no, no. Uh, he wasn't involved. He wasn't involved in formation. Uh, Warren mm -hmm. Farrell and the Boy Crisis. And psychologists tell you that, and the one thing I've talked about is the center of a man is formed in the breath of his father. Yes. Strong. Warren Feller told me that there's actual research that so shows that fathers roughhousing with their kids causes their children to learn empathy, structure, uh, fairness, justice, roughhousing. You know, the wow. kind where, where mom yells, somebody's going to get hurt. And, yes. And you go, of course, that's. Yeah. And, yeah. and he was telling me the other day, he said, that's <laughs> where children learn things and how to operate in culture. And he said, because most kids don't have that. No. They basically have, if they ever have a man in their life, it's a guy tells them rules and regulations, what not to do, yeah. what to do. And there's no yeah. touch. You know, we live in a high tech, low touch world. We live in a world more concerned about the calorie content of our children's, you know, lunches and the character content of our children's hearts. So, so true. Uh, so what true. You've done and the way the church is cranking. I wanted to get dig in. And then one more thing as, as we finish this, because, uh, man, Judy and I love you guys so deeply and dearly. But one thing you've done that's been absolutely remarkable in the middle, particularly of this pandemic and the close down and everything else, is you've spoken up very strongly 
for the nation you've adopted and that has adopted you because you and Leanne became American citizens. Yes, sir. One year ago. And it means something to you. Yes. It wasn't done just for taxes or. No, No, we, 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 we love America even growing up. Um, you know, the, the best, the best of, uh, what was in Australia came from America. Like when I think of the, you know, I remember being uh, eight years old, eight years of age when McDonald's came to Australia and <laughs> you couldn't get in. And, you know, it, I remember at my birthday party, we had to book months in advance to have a birthday party at McDonald's and to see the system and to see the burgers. And I remember having a Big Mac and the French fries and no fries in Australia tasted like McDonald's French fries right, and, yeah, you know, the, the thick shakes back then. The yeah. It was just, it was just extraordinary. And then, you know, Coca-Cola and the programming and the NBA and the NFL and the MLB and, and everything from America, you know, all the TV shows, everything, the creativity, Hollywood, everything. America was this incredible land. Then I remember coming here for the first time in 1994 and as the wheels of the plane touched down, it was like the word of the Lord came to me and I just heard the word liberty. I just heard the word liberty. And I thought, mm. that's, that's weird because I know there's a statue of liberty, but I just landed in Los Angeles, not in New York. But as, I, as we began to go around, I saw that there was a freedom here that it was unlike any other nation. Now, I'd lived in Germany. I was born in Germany, lived in Australia, lived in New Zealand. Uh, and now here I am in America. And I noticed that rather than a government ruling over the people, there was a constitution that was written here that the, the government leads or is allowed to lead at the consent of those governed. So it was the other, the, we don't, we don't come under the, the government is meant to come under us. And obviously that's been under, under attack by the people for the people. Yes. yes. And so, so I just saw, I saw freedom. I saw opportunity. Every, every American preacher that would come to us when we we're in New Zealand or in Australia would come with confidence. They would come with a level of blessing and prosperity. They had nice clothes, nice shoes, nice things. They, they, they weren't afraid to dream. They didn't apologize for blessing. All of those things were, were just robbed and deficient down under. And then I realized, man, there's something magnificent. So when we came to America, began to study the history of America and saw that the, you know, the, the 55 signers of the declaration, almost half of them, 27 of them were clergy. 51 of the 55 were practicing born again Christians that, yeah. that even that the foundation of, of our politics is that with, there's a creator who has created all men equal and endowed us with certain inalienable rights, liberty, justice, the pursuit of happiness. And so everything is rooted in God, that our rights didn't come from man or from government. They came from God. And so when people say, well, you know, separation of church and state, church shouldn't get involved in politics. I'm like, you know, you're, you're unbelievably ignorant because our entire politics came from faith. Mm-hmm. Our entire politics came from, and the reason they wrote in the, uh, in the Second Amendment that Congress shall make no law establishing or prohibiting is because rebelling from England where the state controlled the church, they knew, the founding fathers knew that the church is meant to be the moral conscience of the state. And if the state rules over her, She's now compromised from being able to speak the truth. 
And so that's why there's the dividing wall. And the dividing wall isn't that the church is not meant to speak into state issues. It's that the state is not meant to interfere, but they do that again and again. Hey, by the way, we've redefined marriage. Oh, by the way, we've redefined when uh, life and conception begins. Oh, and now we want to legislate that you can actually kill the baby even after they're born. I mean, so they have no problem coming across into moral issues, but as soon as we speak up for morality, uh, immediately they blow the whistle, foul, uh, separation church and state, you get back into your corner. We'll come over anytime we like, but you can't come over here. That's not the way the founding fathers wanted. And so that's why, I, because we love this nation, we want to see America. America is an, uh, the greatest nation that has ever existed. Nobody is more benevolent. Nobody is more generous. Nobody has, has spent more of her treasure, her blood, her wealth, to free other nations from tyranny and oppression. She is the only superpower ever that hasn't dominated and enslaved and colonized other nations. Rather, she's done the exact opposite. She's set other nations free from tyranny, tyrannical governments, from, from uh, oligarchs and dictatorships. She is the first to send aid. She's the first to send help. She is the number one sending of missionaries, the number one funding of missionaries all over the world. And Satan hates the fact that America is blessed because she is good. And, and I think it was the, um, the, the French philosopher who came out and he said, I sought for the greatness of America in her harbors, but it wasn't there. I sought it for in her halls of commerce. It wasn't there. I sought for, he goes, and then when I went into church, there it was. Her churches are not like the churches of Europe. The pastors are on fire. There is a flame of fire. Then I saw that America is, is great because she is good. Should she ever cease from being good, she'll cease from being great. And that's why we're seeing this attack against the church, this attack to silence the church, muzzle the church, shut down the church, get rid of prayer from schools, the Bible from schools, the Bible from our hallways, the Bible from our colleges, the Bible from our, our courts, because the, the, the agenda of the devil is if I can stop America from being good, I can take away her greatness. 67% of Americans, I just saw the stat this morning, 67% of Americans are intimidated to reveal their political beliefs to anybody around them. And so, uh, you know, we've let the mob mentality, the cancel culture in a small group uh, begin yeah. to control things. And you stand against that. And you, you are basically calling out other pastors to stand for righteousness, liberty, mm -hmm to vote for people who are, who have high moral standards. And, yeah. uh, and, you know, basically you've been really strong about it and you've taken some hits. Uh, Instagram, your Instagram is, is Jurgmeister. Yeah. It's a nickname. Uh, so you can find it Jurgen Mathesius. It might be easier to spell Jurgmeister. Yeah, uh, it's actually. <laughs> sorry, man. J but you joke about it. J-U-R-G. Yeah. Uh, M E I S T E R. Yeah. Meister. And uh, so get on his Instagram, follow his stuff, awakenchurch.com. Is that right? Yes, sir. Yeah. Awakenchurch.com. Uh, Emerge uh, Men, Emerge Ranch is the ministry to men. Powerful stuff. I, I'm just saying right now, if you're a pastor, leader, anybody who is concerned about spiritual formation, of people you're involved and connected to. You need to listen to Jurgen's podcast. You need to listen to his sermons. You need to follow his Instagram. And at some point, attend one of their Emerge events. At least look and at least see the video you guys just did, <laughs> the Emerge Ranch video. Oh, did you see it? How funny. Yeah, with Heinrichs and Matt and all those oh. other guys. 
It's just golden, man. And you in the pickup truck with a little uh, straw in your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> it was oh, like, man. So funny. you know, but that's what's, you know, that's the other thing we appreciate about uh, Awaken Church and your C3 background is that uh, it is, I always tell guys, it's a, it's a strong Pentecostal core with a contemporary yeah. rapper. Yes. It, yeah, it, I uh, agree. Yeah, we're just not going to get stuffed up with all these little religious rules that no. don't help guys become guys. And yeah. we need men to be set free in the fullness of who yeah. they are. If they're artists, yeah. if, they're, if they carve, if yeah. they carve wood and make amazing uh, art, if if they build churches, if they build cars, whatever that thing is, yeah, let's let men be fully alive, fully followers of Christ, and fully connected to a community of men. Who don't look at them and go, oh yeah, hey, you good? Yeah, we're good. Who actually know them? Yeah. You know, to, to be known, to know, and to be known is is it's you know it's uh it's just one of the greatest things in in a man's life. So yes, this is uh, great stuff. Thank you for taking the time, Pastor. Jürgen. Thank you. There's a hundred other things I want to talk about, and we'll have to do that another time about leadership. Please, Love but I to. would say this that. Uh, Frankly, you're, you stir Judy and I up when you and Leanne post about our nation. You stir us up. Because if you will, for some of us who just kind of, I mean, I'm older. I lived through Haight-Ashbury in the 60s and the crazy violence of the early 70s and all that. And so some stuff is like, yeah, you know, it's, it's who we are. And you stir us up. You waken us. Uh, good name for a church. And, uh, <laughs> But you do that, and I want to—I just want to say—we just pray over you and Leanne and your family and and your new uh, daughter-in-laws. Yeah, uh, we pray that every place you put your Thank feet you. is holy ground, and everything you touch will prosper, and that God will keep you deep within the favor and grace of His love. Uh, thank you, Thank you're you. Jesus. Thank you. Love you, Paul. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. What a powerful story yeah. he shared. Like, yeah. you know, everybody, especially young leaders, mm -hmm. we want things, we want to advance, we want success, whatever that is our definition of it. But we oftentimes are not willing to go through the process. Man. And I mean, to see yeah. what they are stewarding at Awakened Church, but we also have to take in consideration, like he just shared with us, the process of what it took for him, for them to get there. Yeah, it, it was quite a process. And, and then, from you know, they arrive. There's no house. There's yeah. no place to live. There's Leanne. And she's a, a young mom. And she's trusting her husband. He's like, wah. And you know what? They just went for it, man. Yeah. You, you know, you're going to, you know, as we talked about and gave you a little background on him, um, out of New Zealand, Australia, he's just got a tenacity about him. And I, I think that's part of what I hope all of us pick up. Yeah is that sense of, uh, I'm just not backing off. And the other thing was they told him, you know, if you want to have a really good church in San Diego, kind of laid back, <laughs> you got to be kind of chilled. Yes. And he's anything but. Oh, he's the total opposite. He's fire. Yeah, he's fire. Yeah. I mean, they are power and anointing of the Holy Spirit. Now, they're not goofy. No, they're real. They're trendy. They're sharp. All that kind of stuff, whatever the right words are. Yeah. Gucci. Louis. Louis, Fendi. is that the? Prada. Fendi. <laughs> Is that what's happening right now? Yes. Okay, man, I can't keep up with all that. I'm still on their, I'm still on their fly, man. Their fly. I don't know, uh, but yeah, they, they've got all that stuff and they got yes. everything going, and yet the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit, people being healed, marriages being healed, 
awakenchurch.com. Uh, very, they're very connected with the C3 uh, churches, yeah. with uh, Pastor Phil Pringle's C3 International Global Churches. But, um, and that's where we met, was through that. But my goodness, man, you hear this stuff and you go, okay, I want that. You yeah. know what it takes? It takes prayer, perseverance, perspiration, preparation, and more prayer. And also what you love to say, doing the stuff. Doing the stuff, man. <laughs> doing the stuff. But I also, you know, I just thought, you know, of your book, Bartender, though. And what you say in there, I mean, the reality is, you know, what are you willing, how much are you willing to suffer? Yeah. What are you willing to do? Dream see your dream come to come pass. to pass. Yeah, man. and that's the reality of what Jurgen and Leanne are stewarding. They took on the pressure of the stuff, and yeah. they said, "You know what? We're not going to allow the pressure of the stuff to dictate our narrative. We have a dream, we have a call, and we have a destiny, and we have a purpose, yeah. and it's coming now." And now that now that they're as large as they are, and everything, yeah. now there's even more pressures from different places. Exactly, because now they're they're like they're up there where people can see them and. And so political pressures, uh, community pressures that yep. are in the newspaper, sometimes positive. They feed a ton of people. Yeah. And then sometimes negative because, uh, you know, the secular press doesn't necessarily like the fact that we preach Jesus. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you're not authentic and then something authentic hits you, what are you going to do? Dude, yeah. Attack it. Well, that's, well, there you go. And that's why they get hit. I yes. think I think you're really, that's a prescient comment. And I think you really speak right on that, uh, Chris. Hey, thanks for being uh, a part of everything that we're doing with uh, Brave Men. And then you mentioned majoring in men at the at the break. And I always almost have to spell it for guys: majoring, yes, major majoring in men. Yeah. Com. And uh, we have a number of partners and friends who have who have been a part of this ministry, who said uh, we want this resource, this twelve part. How to, how to build a ministry to men, how to do meetings. It is, it is detailed. It's everything you need. Plus, then you can get the, the leadership kit to go with it. But it's free. And we have over 400 churches just in the last few months that have accessed this, started going through it. And we're hearing great reports of what's happening in their lives. Yes. Yeah, majoringinmen.com. And also, don't forget to subscribe. Subscribe. Hit the subscribe yeah. button. Hit share, too. Share it with a friend. You know Bam. what you just heard encouraged you, you. So make sure you send it over to somebody else so they can be encouraged. Yeah. And also, even if you don't have a friend, yeah, well, okay. write a review. And <laughs> if, let, you if you don't have <laughs> a friend, And you can make you can a friend because with. then they know. Write a review yeah, and write make a, friends. Yes, exactly. They'll that's see your name that. and they'll be like, man, yeah. let's reach out Dude, to this yeah, guy. Right. And you made a friend. <laughs> you made a friend. And Chris will be your friend. Oh, I'm everybody's yeah. friend. Hey, if you want to write to us, write to uh, paul at cmn.men, paul at cmn.men. Hey, thanks for being part of Brave Men today. And thank you for praying uh, for the outreaches that we have with Christian Men's Network and the Global Fatherhood Initiative in over 100 nations around the world. Uh, we actually live in your prayers, and that's how we operate, by the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, hey, thanks for being here with us. God bless you. You've just experienced Brave Men with Paul Lewis Cole. Paul is president of the Christian Men's Network. Connect with Paul at cmn.men or write to him at paul at cmn.men.